Greetings, FPC community. You are here for the Lenten podcast, and I am here. This is Pastor Doug Bunnell. I am here. I'm also here with our pastor of spiritual formation, Carrie. Welcome, Carrie. Good to see you. It's good to be here. Obviously, you guys are only hearing us, but we get to see each other on Zoom. We've also brought Rob Veit to be with us. Rob is here specifically because of conversations we've had around Sabbath keeping over the years. But Rob, welcome. Good to have you with us. Thanks. It's good to be here. This week, we are looking at chapters four and five in The Cultivated Life. And chapter four is all about stopping. It's all about what you know, the importance of stopping. And let me just let me just read one quote that I thought was so interesting. Um, Susan writes that we have become increasingly unfamiliar with true stopping and deep resting. We know about the sleep mode on our computers, the snooze setting on our alarm clocks, and the vegging mode of our non-work hours, but we have little familiarity with true stopping. I think that is the summary of that whole chapter. She just talks about how one of the cultivated practices is really stopping. And she talks about different ways that we are forced to stop, fallowness. She talks about times and seasons in our lives when we are stopping. She talks about Camino walking and pilgrimage as stopping. She talks about um, just the importance of what it means to do that stopping, cultivating work. And then the next chapter is all about Sabbath keeping. Obviously, The word Sabbath in the Bible means stop, cease. And so she talks about how important Sabbath keeping is as a cultivating practice. And I think the thing that I was most surprised with um, is there was a whole series of books that came out in the 80s and 90s all about spiritual disciplines. And in my community, everybody read those books. Everyone had a copy of The Celebration of Discipline. You guys, and either of you guys have a copy of The Celebration? Oh, both of you. Both of you had copies of the Celebration of Discipline. Um, The thing that Susan said that just blew my mind is neither that book nor the Dallas Willard book on disciplines, neither of those books mentioned or had Sabbath keeping as a spiritual discipline. I wonder if they just assumed it was happening already. I I don't know what the assumption was, but it didn't. And they had a list of 20 different spiritual practices, just disciplines. And Sabbath keeping was not on any of those lists. So that was a that was a surprise to me. And then she goes through, I think it's an incredible chapter, and I can't even do it justice by giving a summary, but an incredible chapter all about the importance of Sabbath keeping and how Sabbath keeping can just be an enormous gift in our life. She talks about stopping. She talks about turning from. She talks about turning to. And she quotes liberally throughout the whole chapter, Abraham Heschel's book on Sabbath, which was a huge book in my life. It's probably my favorite book on Sabbath keeping. And I know, Carrie, you've read that book. Um, Rob, have you had a chance to read Heschel's book on Sabbath? It's it's one of those monumental texts um, on Sabbath keeping. And it is, um, and I've shared before this year, Ezra Klein did a podcast all about Sabbath keeping because he was so touched by Heschel's book on Sabbath and his whole conversation has, it doesn't really have much of a religious undertone at all. It's just about the importance of Sabbath keeping as opposed to just normal life, how we all need Sabbath. And he brings in a Sabbatarian. That was a new word for me, but someone who studies the Sabbath and they had a, this is on the podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes to this podcast because it's a fascinating podcast about people just discussing the importance of Sabbath keeping in our day and age, not from any religious perspective, just from a wisdom 
this is the way we were raised to live. I want to know, Carrie, as you read these two chapters and you've been sitting and pondering and reflecting on these, what jumped out at you? What did you notice or wonder in these two chapters about stopping or Sabbath keeping? Yes, I I really uh, appreciated her beginning with stopping instead of beginning with Sabbath as a con- mm-hmm. concept, because stopping is a very ac- accessible concept to us, no matter what age we are. We need to stop at stop signs. We need to, children are told to stop all the time. So I felt like that was a very simple place to start with stopping. And I I like how she says, stopping enables us to register presence and possibility. And even thinking what it does when you really stop at a stop sign, when you really stop at a four-way stop and you look Mm -hmm. both directions. And I think of that too, on walks that I go on when I stop and gaze or behold what I'm seeing, then I am allowed that opportunity to register presence and possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. I, I remember when I first started learning to exercise and work out well, and I, especially this was when high school, I was interested in having big, strong muscles. And so I would, work that out. And my weightlifting coach would just say, the most important thing you can do for weightlifting is to spend a day not lifting weights. Mm. That was it. Once you start getting into a habit of regular lifting weights, he was like, I don't, I don't want to see you in here. You need to, you need to stop lifting. If you want to build muscle, if you are forever exercising, you will not be building muscle. You've got to give your muscles that chance to stop, to rest, that's the most important thing you can do. So it's it's an inter- it's not the way we usually think. But once you get into the habit of it, it's so important that stopping, that noticing, that spending time there. For so many communities, Sabbath becomes almost a burden. You know, obviously in the community Jesus was operating under, Sabbath was just this restriction. And here's the line that Susan says that I just I just underlined with every single color I could. She said, Sabbath exists outside of instrumental legitimation and economic calculation. We are to call the Sabbath a delight, not a resource, a Mm. gift, not a commodity, a spiritual discipline, not a duty. I just thought I could memorize that sentence and think about that for the rest of the year and my life would be a richer feeling just that it is a delight, not a resource, a gift, not a commodity and a discipline, not a duty. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think Sabbath is one of those things we can get. So we can just get messed up and it becomes this rigidity. Rob, we, we brought you here because you have years of wrestling with this and trying to practice this. What, what has been your history and your experience of Sabbath keeping? Well, I mean, it, it began for me like a, a long time ago. There, there was a realization that Jesus was a Jew. I mean, I know we know that, but there's going to be things that, and how he looks at the world that were not how I was raised to look at the world yeah. and understand where he's kind of, I might understand him better if I knew where he was coming from. And um, so that got me reading a bunch of rabbis and, and spending time with Messianic Jews and things. And the Sabbath became, well, the whole of the law, I think I've been taught to think of law because I'm an American. 
through its Zen mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. Law is, yeah. is to keep me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that the perspective that I, I came to in law through my my reading from trying to read from a Jewish perspective is that the law is a description of how things are going to be when things are good. Oh. Mm-hmm. And part of that is we get a day off. Yeah. And what's interesting about the day off is it's not at the end of the week. You didn't earn it. It's at the beginning of the week. Yeah. You start with a break. And uh, then you go into your your real life after that, after you had the time off. Uh, and what you were just saying, the idea of registering presence and possibility, you do that before you do everything else you need to do for the week. Um, you know, and, and you're resting so that you can grow. Like you said, with the weightlifting, it isn't because you've lifted weights and need to rest. You rest first and right. then you head into the week. There's something really powerful in that. Would we have all of the like creativity? How can you be creative if you're working constantly? Yes. How can you be thoughtful and philosophical if you're working constantly? You've yes. got to have those times of of break to to really excel as being humans. And that's something that God built into the system. You spent years on the mission field doing important things that needed to be done. How was it? Was there was there a did you have a temptation to work seven days a week because what you were doing was important? Or were you able to continue Sabbath keeping when you were doing the important mission work in Botswana? I, I often violate the Sabbath in traveling on the Sabbath. <laughs> that seems to be, but I'll make it up. I actually will. will I will make a note of, of I, I had to travel on, uh, on the Sabbath. And so I, um, I have these sticky notes that at the beginning of the year go on, on Saturdays. And if I have to work through Saturday, I'll move that to another day to make it up later. What <laughs> a great practice. I love that. Yeah. Do you still, do you still do that? Do you still do this? I don't have sticky note? notes, but I do. I have a calendar that I make. A calendar now. Yes. Electronic sticky notes. Uh, yeah. But um, it became essential in the early time in our, in our mission work because you're working on your ministry five days a week, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday, and you are often giving a presentation to a church about what you're doing on a Sunday. So right. almost every Sunday was we're driving two to four hours to a place and we're doing every single service and we're speaking to a bunch of strangers. We're doing some kind of a, a for them, a fun social event. For us, a very intense interaction with people that we want to be involved in our ministry. And then we have to drive home for two to four hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it's a long, difficult, exhausting day. And we found, Ishti and I, that we had to take Saturday off in advance. So we had the energy to, to do Sunday. Right. It was not, Sunday was not a restful, worshipful day no. for, for years. And even in Botswana, I mean, the uh, the services there are are long, mm. and uh, we enjoyed many parts of them. But they're also it is you're committed to a half day of uh, of being in church, and that's exhausting. And mm. so we had to have that the, the day of rest before that to um, yeah. have the energy to get through, <laughs> through our responsibilities at the church. So. 
the way you structure your Sabbath and the day you choose, that often it works out to be Saturday and then you move it around. I think it's helpful to understand for people how you can make a choice about when you choose your Sabbath day. I really love how Susan points out that people need a day. And Heschel writes about the frame of sundown to sundown, a 24-hour frame, the frame of a day, the frame of creation sets up a frame for Sabbath rest. And she writes, people have always needed this kind of architectural time for shelter from the winds of culture and the nattering of our own concerns. And I appreciate the way you've described this architectural frame of your Saturday to help you have a rest from your own nattering concerns, even though they were mission work to prepare you to do the work of Sunday. Well, and and in some ways the, the night before is the most important part. Yes. Uh, And that's the part that that's the part I had to grow into. I I got Mm -hmm. the idea that I get a day off. But the kind of, of preparation moving into that, that became a part of, of my practice um, probably a little over 20 years ago. Yeah. Where we would, and I have, I have this part in late Friday afternoon that I call the chorin. And Hi. that's when you, you do all the stuff that needs to get done so that you can, like, you know, the dishes that need to get done, the house cleaning and the changing of the sheets on the bed. And, and uh, I get something in ready for dinner so that it's hot so you know after sundown there's a dinner that's i've made before sundown that will be ready for us and uh, we we do this thing weather permitting ishni and i will sit out in the back patio and we'll say here's all the stuff that's been been bugging me this week here's all the stuff that i'm concerned with and here's all the stuff that i've got to do that i didn't do this week and i will make a list so that i can forget about it all the things otherwise mm. I'd be thinking about through the rest of the day, thinking I've got it. Right. I don't want to forget. I've got to as soon as I get back to work on Monday. So I have a list that I can just fold it up and put away and not think about it for the day. And then we can go into to rest and we can have fun and we can. I try not to make plans for Saturday. Um, I because that's the rest day. I, it may, you know, I'm not hardcore rester but i am a hardcore non-committal what i'm going to be on that day of rest Uh, (laughs) uh because sometimes it looks very much like my regular work days or my regular weekdays but it's it's whatever i feel like doing and not what i feel like i have to do Uh yeah i love the way you describe a ritual or routine of getting ready for sabbath because it does provide a preparation for that rest and a framing that allows you to lean into rest. That liturgy helps you to enter into the stopping. We need that. I mean, we we are we are sixty mile an hour. We're on that 60 mile an hour train. What is it, you know, what do we need to jump on the landing and say, nope, for the next 24 hours, we're stopping. So I, I think that liturgy yeah. is so helpful. And I loved your idea of just that effort that it takes. Yeah. I think it's really true. Our text for this week is make every effort to enter the Sabbath rest. And I just love the irony of that Bible passage that just says, you know, the, and we don't quite get that. We think, how? what does effort and rest, how can you put those in the same sentence? 
But to do a proper Sabbath takes an enormous amount of attention and um, rest and really vision. You have to be looking Mm. at it for three days saying, if I'm going to Sabbath, I've got to be planning, preparing. I've got to be intentionally setting that time apart so that I can really take that time away. And you've been doing that. And you use the word essential, Rob. You use that 20 years ago. You said it was essential. Is it still essential to you? Do you still find it as an essential? Yes. Um, But it's, you know, you say it's, it's hard. It it becomes it becomes easy. It does. Because, That's true. Because it becomes something that that it's like the first time you tie your shoes. I, I have I have memories of the first time I tried to tie my shoes myself, and I just my mom could probably tell the story better. But I, I it was it's really hard to tie your shoes. And agreed. You know, it. I cried. I, mm-hmm. I was angry with the fact that I was supposed to learn to do this skill that was really hard to learn. I don't think about it anymore. I just tie no. my shoes. Right. And. There's aspects of that in in Sabbath, and whenever I'm mm-hmm. wondering what should I be doing with this time, you know, there's that you know Jesus says the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is there yes. for my benefit, not for to me to show how holy I am. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, can you can you do blah 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 on Saturday?" and I don't want to do it, I say I can't because it's the Sabbath. But if I want to do it. I can't because that's how it works for me. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it because it's it's there for my benefit. If 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 I want to just watch cartoons all morning and drink coffee, I will. If I want to, you know, write a book or or paint a picture, I can do that too. Or if I want to go help somebody move, I can do that. You know, it's just it's there for me to to reset. However, that happens. Mm. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I love that you've got years of training and practice. I think it is rich. I I would, I'm in in full agreement with you. For me, it's become my most important self-care practice. Mm -hmm. And and when I don't do it, when I don't get a Sabbath, I feel it pretty keenly for that next week. I don't know what it would be like to not get two Sabbaths. Um, because I've never actually experimented with that, but I, I think it would be, I think I'd be undone. I think it would be, it would be, you know, Heschel uses this image. He talks about the the Sabbath candle. The first two candles of the first night are these two separate candles that are far apart from each other. And the second candle on the second night on the fi- and the ending of Sabbath is this candle that's woven together. And the idea, I mean, Heschel uses this idea that Six days of work unweaves us. It unravels us. It leaves us completely unraveled. But the Sabbath is this day that we're woven back together, mm. that we're, we're woven back together to face the next week. It's a beautiful oh. image. I love yeah, that. We used to do that liturgy. Uh, uh, I haven't done it in a long time, but we used yeah. to do that, the candles. It's rich. It is rich. Carrie. Well, I was just thinking about how taking a break from Susan put it puts it this way, assigning legitimation entirely through your work, assigning your whole legitimacy. I'm legitimate because I work. Right. I'm of value to my community because I work. It's recognizing there's more to who I am than someone yep. who produces. And it's resting that in God, there's a fullness there that will weave me back together to go back into right. work.
as we do as we talk about this the whole goal is fbc people i hope you're hearing this this is a book worth reading but this is a chapter worth reading because it speaks to all of these important things. Susan uses the image of kairos time. And remember, there's a Greek word for chronos time, which is like chronology, like our stopwatches, our digital watches, this hour, eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, those are chronos time. But kairos time is the time of the moment. It's time that's measured by events, by big events. And she says that Sabbath time is unmeasured in both the busy efficiency and the vacant relaxation modes of our lives, we've lost our understanding of kairos, immeasurable qualitative time, the opposite of secular time. Sabbath is kairos time. It's event time. It's the time of just stopping and and understanding this incredible rich time in our life. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, riffing on what you're just saying and what Carrie was just saying, I think that our culture teaches us to make checklists of things we can accomplish. Right. And Sabbath says you don't use the checklist. No. And so you, the goal is to accomplish nothing. Mm-hmm. But, that's, but that being the goal, right, is, is right. what makes it special. Right. Yes. And I would love to pick up, too, on the community aspect of all of that. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. When we do it together, we enter into something as a community that, um, well, in the Ezra Klein podcast, they put it as a non-compete clause. Yes. Together, we give up our checklists, and that brings the community into a new place, an equalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful. Well, Carrie, I want to ask, you know, we're going to move to a different mode in the in our time together, you've been chewing on what does this look like for families and for especially families of younger kids? What are do you have some ideas of what Sabbath keeping might look like for younger kids or for or for parents of younger kids who never feel like they can take Sabbath because oh my gosh, they're tired all the time. We see mm-hmm. them. Two of those families came to church five minutes early on Sunday. And I sat down with them. I was like, is anything wrong? Are you okay? What's, you know, you have four people and two kids and you got to church, not just on time, but five minutes early. Is something wrong? What's, you know, they, and they all said that there was, they, they misjudged their time. So <laughs> they were doing, they were doing something beforehand that was shorter than they thought that it would be. But what would you, what would you say are some ideas for our families with young kids? Yes. I think it's always important to start small. And to find those places as a family where you can protect the time together and make it, like Rob says, an unagended time. And so I know that's hard for families to, to find these days because activities for kids are, can be available every night of the week. So I think finding, finding pockets in an evening, you can have a Sabbath evening of rest or a Saturday morning of rest, but to find that pocket where the family together blocks out unagended time. Mm -hmm. I also think you can make a game of stopping, you know, busy in the house. What can it, what can one person, anybody have permission to yell stop and then have everyone stop and breathe for 20 seconds. Just make a game of somebody being able to call stop when they need to. Well, that's a great, it's like a red light, green light. Yes. Weekend. I, I know that when we had younger kids, the fun thing was, you know, younger kids, 
are as close to Pharisees as I've ever come. You know, if you cut the waffles wrong, it's an abomination and they cannot have it. But but also if you tell them we're not going to do work, their definition of work, you know, we're like, put on your shoes, we're going to go take a walk. And they're like, oh, putting on our shoes would be work. We can't put on our, <laughs> so it's, it was just funny that there would be this sense of, you know, they, but, but they can get in. And I love that game idea that you can just say, hey, what can we, you know, we're going to take a game. We're going to compete with each other. What are ways that we stop? But, you know, let's think of different ways that we can stop. I think that'd be very fun. We're looking at Susan's book, but we've also been looking at a series of important scriptures about these practices. And today, or this week, our, our scripture comes from Hebrews. And so let's listen right now as one of our FPC youth has given up their time just to read this scripture to us. Let's listen to that right now. Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For indeed the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith and with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. As in my anger I swore, they shall not enter my rest. Though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. For in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place it says, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains open for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he sets a certain day, today, saying through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For I, Joshua, had given them rest. God would not speak later about another day. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through such disobedience as theirs. Wonderful. That was great to hear. Well, Carrie and Rob, thank you guys for taking this time. Rob, I know that Ishni has just gotten back from a month-long trip and um, you're taking time away from her to come be with us. So we really appreciate that, Rob. It was so well, fun more, to have you. Yeah. And thank I you. thank you for your just sharing your experience. I love that this has been such an important thing. And I, you know, I've I've always appreciated the relationship you and Ishni have. And it just sounds like that Sabbath experience is an important time for you as a couple. That's an important time Very that you much, spend yes. together. So I love that. Well, hey, we hope you can join us next week. Next week, we're going to be going into chapters six and seven. And we're going to be looking at paying attention and praying with scripture. This is an ancient practice sometimes called Lectio or Lexio Divina. But we're going to be looking at what it means to pay attention. We are in an attention crisis in our culture. We're going to look at what does it mean to pay attention and how do we practice that while praying with scripture. We'll see you next week in the Lenten Family, FBC Family Podcast. <laughs>